You're listening to Scattered by Anchored Baptist Church, where we are working to reflect the diversity of Romanus as we gather to hear good news and as we scatter to share it. Ah, Paul. He's always doing things like this. He's always saying, Ah, you know, I'm really not that great of a person. Except for in all the ways that I'm pretty awesome. (laughs) Paul's always writing to us and saying things like this. I did not use complex argumentation or logic puzzles. Except for when I'm writing this letter to you right now. What Paul has to say here is both very straightforward and also very difficult to understand. Basically, what he did was he came and he preached a message of crystal clear Jesus Christ on the cross for your sin. And then he just muddied the waters. Okay? So what we need to do this morning is try to see clearly what it is that Paul is saying to us and what it is that God is wanting us to hear from Paul's words. Now, before we go any further, though, here's our big idea. Why are we gathered? And I'm going to put forward to you today, we are gathered for resurrection, for Jesus and all of His good gifts. We are gathered for resurrection, for Jesus and all of His good gifts. Let's see where we can see that in the text this morning. So Paul starts out and says, Look, I did not come to you preaching the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. Throughout these verses, uh, what Paul is saying to us is that, and he's already said it before, uh, back in chapter 1, he says, some of you say, well, I was baptized by Apollos, and I by Peter, and me by somebody else, and you get the idea, right? They've had some good preachers come to them. But the Corinthians in particular they are very much used to people coming with a lot of fancy words. This was the way things were. Uh, People were interested in philosophy. They were interested in ideas. And what Paul says to them is, look, I came to you not with high-minded ideas. In fact, I worked really hard to do the opposite of that. Instead, what I did was not coming with logic puzzles, not coming with um, the Socratic method, not coming with something that you had to figure out for yourself. Instead, I simply came and gave you Christ crucified through the Word of God. In fact, Paul says he decided to know nothing among them except Jesus Christ and and Him crucified. This is a bit of what we call hyperbole, right? Obviously, Paul knew some other things. Paul's an intelligent person. In fact, he goes on to say that I didn't come to just share wisdom with you. Now, some of you who are mature that could handle that wisdom, yeah, of course. We got into the deeper topics of God's Word. We looked a bit deeper than that surface level. But for all of you, I know exactly what you needed. You all needed that surface level. You all needed Christ crucified. In fact, Paul says, when I was with you, I came in weakness and in fear, much trembling. 
My speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit, of the Spirit and of power. What is, what is Paul getting at here? Was it miracles? Was he coming with miracles and just healing left and right? No, I don't think so. Paul is very specifically talking about his words. Hey, what happens when God speaks? Things happen, right? God's Word is... Actually, I think Joshua had something to say about this, right? God's Word is effective. It does exactly what God wants for it to do. And so Paul came with that word from the Lord, and that word did exactly what it was intended to do. Why? Because Paul was so smart? Because he was so good at argumentation? Because he could sit you down and decide, uh, make you decide from one second to the next that you were a totally different person? That you were, at one point, a person, and the next point Paul could convince you that you were a zebra walking around? No. Because the power of God, the Holy Spirit, working through God's Word. How do we come to that? Well, we can jump right down to verse 12. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. Paul is very clearly wanting the Corinthians to hear, God the Holy Spirit has worked among you. God the Holy Spirit has used God's Word to prove to you that Christ died on the cross for you, forgiving you of your sins, making you a new person that is no longer centered on themselves, but instead able to look to God in love and look out to your neighbor in love as well. Why did he do this? Why did Paul come in this way and not in the way of one of the philosophers of the time? One of the people standing in the square wanting to convince you that they were a good person to listen to, follow, and eventually give your money to. Right? Why? So that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Verse 6, yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. Uh, Joshua and I were talking about this passage this week because back in Corinthians, or sorry, back in Colossians, when Paul is talking about the rulers and authorities, he seems to be very clearly talking about some form of spiritual rulers' authorities that have influence over the world around us. But here, Paul is using the word rulers quite literally for those people in authority over you. He's saying those things, those people, they are destined to pass away. They're doomed, he says. That's a hard word from Paul. Um, 
In fact, he even relates that to those who had authority when Christ was crucified. None of the rulers of this, un, of this age understood who Jesus was. For if they had, they would not have crucified Him. But Paul says in verse 7, But we do impart, we do hand over, we give and you receive, a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. This is a mysterious thing that Paul is saying here. Is he saying that, ah, oh, there is a secret wisdom out there. There's a, there's a hidden knowledge that you just have to go out and find. No. Like everything else in this passage, it is something that is given to us. Something that is gifted to us. And how is it gifted to us? Well, it's gifted to us by God's Word through the power of the Holy Spirit. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Paul has also done something very interesting here. He keeps on comparing the, the spirit of this world, the lowercase s spirit, little spirit, um, and the capital or the big S spirit of God. What's the difference? What are we talking about here? Uh, well, we're, we're talking about God the Holy Spirit, right? Big S spirit. But what is this lowercase s, this small spirit? Because he says it's the spirit that was in you and it's the spirit that's out in this world. What is that spirit that we're talking about? Uh, is, it, uh, is it something that's floating out there in the air and that some of us catch? Uh, is it something that... Um, what is it? Typically, in Scripture, when we read about our, our soul or our innermost self or our heart or our spirit, it is that thing that is at the very center of who we are that God is talking about. In a similar way, he's saying to the Corinthians here, you used to have a spirit that was centered on yourself. And in fact, if you look around at the whole world around you, you will see a spirit of everything being centered on itself. But that's not the spirit you have anymore. You have a different spirit. There's some big implications, some big things that are coming at us from this text. One of these big things, I think, is summarized well um, by, by Martin Luther and his commentary on the Apostles' Creed. That third part of the Apostles' Creed that we talked about. I believe in the Holy Spirit, right? Holy Catholic Church? Okay, you get it. If you can't say it by now, neither can I because I have a bad memory, okay? Uh, <laughs> but he asked the question, what does this mean? And he gives a response. This third part of the Apostles' Creed, I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ my Lord, or come to Him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the Gospel, enlightened me with His gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith, 
In the same way, He calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. In this Christian church, He daily and richly forgives all my sins and the sins of all believers. On the last day, He will raise me and all the dead and give eternal life to me and all believers in Christ. This is most certainly true. What we're seeing here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 is that it is not by Paul's reason or wisdom or strength that you would come to faith. We're also hearing that it is not by your reason or your wisdom or your strength that you would come to believe in Jesus. But it is only by the power of God, by His work through the Spirit in you and through His Word, that you would come to believe in Christ as your Savior. Um, I don't know if you guys are big self-help book people. Okay, You can raise your hand. No, you don't have to raise your hand. I like some self-help books. Yeah, sure. I've read um, a couple of leadership books, and then I decided that was fruitless. <laughs> but, you know, I've read some encouraging things that aren't Christian. Um, some encouraging things that come from the world that, uh, you know, help me to think through how to parent my children better. How to make sure that I'm being a good friend. Those things exist out there. That's good wisdom. Paul is not getting rid of that wisdom. He's not putting it off to the side or saying that it's useless. But this is something that Paul is saying to us in this passage. For anyone that would hear what Paul's saying and say, Oh, well, so hold on. You can only be a Christian if you're stupid? Is that what he's saying? That they didn't need any wisdom? That he just came with a simple, believe this? or No, no, no. What Paul is saying here is he's really asking a question of us. He's asking a question of what good is wisdom to a dead person? You could read all the self-help books in the world. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, you could make your life a little bit better by force of law. That's not bad. You have the freedom to do that in Christ, actually. But you know what you don't have? You don't have eternal life in that. You don't have uh, some sort of knowledge that is going to raise you from the dead. And so Paul is challenging his hearers here. He's saying, hey, listen, what good is wisdom to a dead person? No good. I could come with fancy words and I could come with arguments, but the reality is you're still going to wind up in the grave. And so I knew nothing while I was among you except Christ and Him crucified. And I'm going to keep going back to that. Why? 
Because I know by sharing that word with you is exactly how God saves people. Because the word himself died on the cross for your sin. The most effective word that there was, Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection for you. And in the midst of that, in the midst of Jesus' saving act, and in the midst of those words that bring salvation to the ears, <laughs> we're not just left uh, with what people would step back from in this culture, in this day and age, and say, uh, oh, well, that, that seems rather backward and ignorant. And this is the exact response that people would have had, right? Because you might watch a movie now, right? Or a TV show or read a book where the main character, the hero of the story, dies to rescue everyone else. You know when that story became popular? At the cross of Christ. That story didn't become popular before Jesus. For Corinthians, for the Corinthians to hear that God came, became, put on human, all the humanness, and then died so that they could be saved, that's lunacy. That doesn't make any sense at all. Because gods don't just do that. Gods don't give, they take. They take what they want. And Paul says, I came to you with a message unlike anything that you've ever heard before, that God doesn't take from you, that He gives to you. He gives you life now, He gives you life eternal, and He keeps on blessing you with good gifts. He does that through His Word. He does that through the forgiveness that He daily offers. He does that through His church. He does that through the brother and sister in Christ sitting next to you as you hear these words read and preached to you. So why are we gathered this morning? Luckily, it's not for fancy arguments. We are gathered here for resurrection because wisdom is no good to a dead person. Jesus wants to resurrect you, wants to raise you up to new life. For those of you that, are, that know Jesus as your Savior, He does that for you each and every day. Each and every day, from that day that you were baptized, <laughs> He is rebaptizing you into His death and reminding you of the life that you have in Him. So we are gathered for resurrection and we are gathered for Jesus and all of the good gifts that are continually offered to us through Him. Until next time, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you all.